We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. So good to see all of you here this evening. We're, we're thankful that you've come to worship the Lord, whether there's 330, 300, 3,000 people. You get the same from our hearts and from our uh, gifts that God's given us, and we are very, very grateful. All of you who've joined us with young folks over there in Awana, thank you for coming and being here uh, every way uh, that we can help support Awana. We want to do that. I think it's a wonderful program around the country, and so thank you for coming and being with us, and we pray God's blessings upon all your young people, and and I'll try not to put any of them on the spot like I did a couple of weeks ago and just say, how many Bible verses have you memorized? And, and the stones there, uh, your daughter, she remembered them all, I think. So but we're so glad you're here. Um, we're living in eventful times, would you agree? Sometimes when I was young, I couldn't wait for big things to happen in my life. You know, we... We go through seasons of our life. If I could just, you know, uh, I never wanted a puppy, so I can't use that one. If, but you might have, uh, might have, if I could just get a puppy, my life would be, it would just be complete. Then you get older, you know, and your, your parents say you have to feed it and you have to water it. And, oh, I promise I will. And then you get a little bit older. If I could just get my driver's license, my life, I, I won't ask for anything else, God, if you'll just let me get my driver's license. Then you get your driver's license and you say, but I have to have a car. So, Lord, if I could just get a car. We put a lot of those uh, waymarks in our life. Those are things, if I could just, uh, these are eventful times in my life. And rightfully so, they impact our life. We have good memories. And I remember as a young man wanting eventful days. When people ask me today, I want uneventful days. The older I've gotten and some of the things that have happened in the past, I say, oh, dear Lord. Now I lay me down to sleep. I do not pray the same prayers I used to pray when I was young. Dear Lord, uh, would you give us rest today? Would you give us peace today? Would you let those that are sick or suffering, Lord, that are in the hospitals and rest homes and having to put their hand up on the window so that their grandchildren can come and put their hand up and neither one of them really know what's taking place through that glass. Oh Lord, would you give us restful, peaceful days in our world, when we turn on the television set and there's wars and rumors of wars all around us, the oh Lord, would you give us peaceful and good days when it seems like churches are abandoning the word of God and it's not important to them anymore? Oh, Lord, would you give us good, peaceful, holy days, Lord? So my attitude maybe and my wants have changed a little bit. But you're here tonight. We're going to have a good time in God's word. Did you know that that's biblical? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We can laugh and we can smile and we can have a good time in God's word tonight. This is a very small passage. I hesitate to say that. Some of you have been to seminary before. Uh, you would not say, well, that little book of James, would you? Because there's gonna be a seminary professor tell you, you don't call James little. You don't call John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, little. Well, those minor prophets, those little guys, they are not minor in content, in relationship with God, in relationship with Christ. They're just smaller in number. I was thinking about the church at Thessalonica not long ago, and Paul's instructions to them are about that much of your Bible. The church at Corinth is about this much. Because <laughs> they need a little help, didn't they? They needed lots of instruction. But this is a short passage here tonight. But oh, I believe. I believe it impacted heaven. And when we get there, we will see the impact 
of what takes place that Jared read to you a moment ago. I'd like to read it again with you, if I may. Jared did a wonderful job, but I'd love to read these words again because really these are the words that matter, not mine. These are the words that matter. In Mark, the 12th chapter, verse 41, and he sat down opposite the treasury. I have to ask you this. Have you ever been a people watcher before? Isn't that kind of fun? You know, you sit down on a bench and then you watch all the different... I have to confess something. Thank you for all those who are tuning in. We have people that tune in around the country and I get to visit with some of them. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to Denton Bible's evening service. Uh, my wife and I, in, uh, about 20 something years ago, got to go down to, uh, out of the country to a really nice beach. We actually won a trip and were able to go to that. And my wife, who is very attractive, she is a beautiful woman. Uh, in fact, that, that is an evidence of, of God's omnipotent power that she, she's married to me, that, uh, that God is very gracious and merciful. But she was a little bit apprehensive to go down to Cancun Beach and wonder what to wear because she thought she might be a little bit too much this, a little bit too much this, you know. She did. But I just want to tell you, when we got down there, she said, I'm good. Because we saw every shape and size and type and, and every kind of person. We just, we just people watched. And it was interesting because you'd see people from all over the world. And Jesus is people watching at the temple this day. Look what happens. He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came put in two small copper coins, which amount to a, a cent. Calling his disciples to them, he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all, the, all that she owned, all she had to live on. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another, which will be not torn down. I entitled the message tonight, True Value. Do we still have true value stores? Do we still have those? I grew up in our hometown. We had a true value store. And uh, I thought about that phrase. When you go uh, through customs, when you get off an airplane, go into another country, they ask you to write down and to declare your valuables. Uh, when you take out an insurance policy for your home, they ask you to write out a list. Isn't that fun of everything in your house? Did you know how many socks you had in that drawer until you counted them? We have to declare what is valuable to us. We have to write it out, itemize it. And we have to think about literally what we would call in our lives valuables. How many of you have some family heirlooms that have been passed down? Does anybody have some family heirlooms you've had from one generation to another? We've got a few of those. Let me ask you this. Are they valuable to anyone else but you? Some of them, you may say, I'm not going to tell you. You'll come rob my house tonight. No. Sometimes they are valuable to only the family that they, that they have been passed down. They have sentimental value. They have family because of who 
had them before and the memories of those lives that were well lived. But sometimes they are very valuable even in the world side. They're valuable and could be sold for something. So the word value, we put a lot of different, different definitions on that. But in this passage here tonight, I really want to encourage you that we all look at where true value is. What makes something valuable? Now remember, I want to thank Corey for, for speaking last week. My wife and I were out of town. I'm so glad that he did. Corey is always so uh, gracious to do that along with Logan over here. And I'm very thankful for these men that love the Lord and that love God's word. Man, to teach or to preach God's word, you got to love it. And these guys do. And so I'm thankful for you, brother. I want to remind you of what he said last week in Mark 12, 38. In his teaching, Jesus was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around the long, with wrong robes, like respectful greetings in the marketplaces, chief seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. We see and know people just like that, don't we? They have to be in front. They have to be the important ones. They want to be noticed. I was asked one time before I was hired for a job, what is, what is one of your major pet peeves? And I didn't have to think very long. I don't have too many of them. But one of the things that really bothers me in life is if someone thinks they're better than someone else. That's always bothered me, even when I was a little schoolboy. If someone acted like they were better than one of our schoolmates, I just came to their rescue, you know. I, I just could not believe that. Uh, I, I've told my wife sometime, it's, it's so strong inside of me that when I see someone acting like they're better than someone else, I almost want to make it my life ambition to prove to them they're not. That's how strong it is. I don't mean strong personalities. Thank God for strong personalities. We love strong people, but not strong and sinful earthly pride. These guys that, that we read about that Jesus is talking about, they got to have the best seats. They got to put on a show. They got to have the clothes that everybody notices. Their name has to be on the marquee. I've used an illustration many times, but I believe it's so important. A man was asked to go and hear two preachers in a large city a long time ago. He went to the first place and he heard... He went to the second place and heard the sermon. A man asked him, well, I heard you went to both of those, those uh, churches and you heard both those preachers. Yes, I did. How about the first one? He was a great preacher. Well, how about the second one? The second one, he had a great savior. Isn't that different? Isn't that good? It's not the singer, it's the song. It's Christ. I love that song, Joel, wherever you're sitting. Uh, thank you for leading us in that. He's worthy of it all. In the book of Revelation, they brought that book, you remember? Who's worthy to open this book? And, and, and all throughout heaven, all those mighty angels. And, and I believe, uh, I taught a lesson, uh, about a several-week lesson. When I say well, I'm going to have a four-week series, Logan, it turned out to be about three months but uh, on angels. And we found out that angels of the Bible are not Mardell's little fat chubby babies. And they're not beautiful women with long flowing hair. Angels described in the Bible are mighty, powerful warriors that are at God's disposal, uh, God's disposal at a moment's time. Get down there and help Daniel so he can understand that vision. 
Michael, you go down there and don't let Satan think that he has anything to do with the bones of Moses. They're ours. And one of these days, Michael's going to be used again. Michael, the archangel of power. These are mighty, powerful beings. These guys wanted to be the mighty, powerful beings that all the world looked at. But notice what else they did in verse 40. They devour widows' houses. Now that's really tough, isn't it? Those are tough guys. Wasn't it the uh, Amalekites of the Old Testament? When they came against Israel, they didn't come up against the mighty uh, the warriors of Israel, the army of Israel. They would sneak around behind Israel, and the Bible says they would attack the feeble, the weak, the women, and the children. You read that? I've always thought, what cowards. In fact, God said, Israel, you don't have to worry about them. I will utterly destroy their remembrance from out under heaven. I'll take care of them. God was so angry, I think it was one of God's pet peeves that they would attack the weak and the feeble. And God said, I'll take care, take care of them myself. And he did. But these scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, Jesus called them, they devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater commendation. Is that what it said? No, these will receive greater condemnation because God's not all about lifting ourselves up. God's the one who gets all the glory. He's worthy of it all. In Revelation, when they said, who's worthy to open the book? All those mighty angels couldn't come and open it. Gabriel couldn't and Michael couldn't and all the rest of the hosts of heaven, those that fall down before the, the throne, nobody. And they began to weep. John is no one worthy to open a book? And then one showed up that was like a lamb that was slain. And they gave the book to him and they said, he's worthy. Jesus is the only one worthy in heaven who could open that book. Because he's prevailed. He's fought the battle against sin, the devil, life in this world, temptation and all evil. And he won. That's why he gets the glory. So these tough guys, these guys that want to be in the front, they want themselves to be lifted up. They're the kind that sneak in and take things away from widows. And by the way, you want something else if you want to get stirred up? The Old Testament, God said, if a widow cries out to me because she has been mistreated by someone, I, God, will withstand those people to their face. You want to get out of sorts with God, mistreat a widow or an orphan. One of the quickest ways I know for God to deal with your life. Jesus is people watching. He's sitting down in verse 41 and he's watching people come in and he, they're giving money to the treasury and a poor widow. Now there's nothing sinful about being poor. We've kind of got that out of balance in our world today too. Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you always. Part of it's how you and I are supposed to treat one another. But she's a widow. We don't know how her husband died. It might have been when she was a young woman. It might have been in later in life. It could have been in a tragedy. You might have gotten sick. We don't know what happened, but she is a widow that the book of James says, pure and undefiled religion, one version says, is to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. If a church is not taking care of their widows and their children, something's wrong. 
And a poor widow came in and it says she put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. That's kind of our language there, a cent. Uh, we kind of live in a world today where you don't even pick a penny up anymore, do you? A lot of people don't. Unless you think, you know, it's going to give you a good look or something. I think there's something to that. But we see a penny on the ground or a dime on the ground. No, that's just not worth very much. So we don't stop and pick it up anymore. Well, a denarius was a, uh, was a, a day's wages for a rural Jewish worker. It was what you would get paid. And remember in the Old Testament, God said, if a man's faithful to work for you, you be willing to pay him daily. And for a full day, that's how much it was. Well, this that she put in was one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. Use the math. Small little coins that if we saw them on the road, we might just step over them and walk by because they don't mean much at all. They had no value according to worldly estimation. But Jesus just turns the table on what true value is. Um, what have you seen similar to that? Jesus is watching people. Uh, we used to pass a plate in the church that I grew up in, and it was always a joke, you know, that you, if you didn't have any money, people would put some change in there. You could just thump the bottom of the, of the plate, and it sounded like you put some coins in there, you know. Uh, we thought that was funny when we were teenagers. And, and uh, my mother would always give us a dime, and we'd hold on to that dime till the collection plate came by. And I want to tell you something. My mama probably didn't have a dime to spare. Five children, three jobs, dying of cancer for 10 years. Probably didn't have a dime to spare. She made sure her children had a dime in their hand when that collection plate went by because she was going to give back to God. I'm thankful for that mama. What have you seen in church that's like that? How many of you went to a church and they had somebody's name and a gold plaque on the back of the pew? They bought the pew. Don't raise your hand. If some of your names are on there, don't tell us. Don't tell us. They bought the hymn book and they put their name on it. How many of you, uh, you came from a church where they used to have those little brown things up there on the side of the church? How many people were here last week? What was the attendance this week? What was the offering last week? I always wondered about that. Went to a church one time, visited for a while, and they were in a building campaign. And I'll never forget the pastor, every time before the collection was made, he says, uh, tithing. God said it, I believe it. Tithing. And he wanted everybody to be so inspired to give more money. And We've done a lot of things in churches. I know places where the big contributors actually got to sit on the stage behind the pastor while he's preaching. Did you know that? How about that? They got the cool seats. They got the best seats. Was that true value? Look what Jesus does. Calling his disciples to him. Now, normally, when you get into a, a situation where you say, yo, come here. I got to talk to you. Come here. Man, gather up. What are you going to tell them? You just heard something that was so Cool, you got to tell them. There is something that has happened. You can't wait to share the news to them. It's something big, something important. It's something valuable. Y'all, come here. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. Jesus gathered them and he said, truly, I got to tell you something true. 
This poor widow, I wonder if he pointed at her, put in more than all the contributors in the treasury. That probably humbled her. She was probably embarrassed, maybe hung her head, maybe scuttled out and got away. We don't know. Maybe made her cry a little bit that he would have the care to notice her. Can I say something to everybody in this room tonight? No matter how old you are. I could tell how old many of you are because when we started singing to God be the glory, you've never heard that song in your life. I know you haven't. No matter how old, how young, or in between, you will not escape this room here tonight without knowing that you are noticed by us and you are noticed by Jesus. He cares for you. Every one of you, visitors, you you can't leave tonight without knowing that. He notices you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He knows what you've done. He knows what you haven't done. He knows what we having our heart toward him right now. And he knew this widow. See this poor widow, Peter? John, I want to tell you something. She put in more in the treasury than all these other people. That probably humbled her. But what do you think it made those other guys feel like? What do you mean? It's interesting. When you study about those collection boxes, they were probably in the court of the women. That's interesting. Uh, I think some of us would do a lot better in, in, uh, if we let some of the, the, the wives take care of the checkbook. Y'all been there before? How many of you got married, you had two different checkbooks, and that went along fine for about one day? And you said, we got to have a change. We've got to have an agreement. To do, and sometimes the ladies of the household are the ones that can take care of money so much better. Let them do it, guys. You'll be better off for it. These collection boxes were probably in the court of the women. They were designed with a spout. If you could picture like a tuba that has a, the, what is that? I'm not a musician, a band musician. What is that? The, the, the horn, the bell, maybe? The bell, is that good? It was designed like that so that when they threw the money in, it would make noise and it would ring around a little bit and it would signal somebody's put in. So if you came up there with a lot more money, don't think of bills, paper money, think of coins. If you were a big contributor, man, you made some noise. That little widow's sent two smallest coins. Ding. And Jesus said, I want to tell you, she put in more than all the rest of those people. Can't you just see their faces? How dare you say that? But I want to tell you, Jesus knows what true value is. He knows what's valuable. And it's not always what the world says is valuable. Did uh, did Jesus know how much we give today too? Does he know the motive when we give? One of the things about giving, and I don't apologize for that. We don't ask for money. Uh, How many of you have ever been in a church before that they did not pass a plate? There's a box kind of inconspicuous there before you go out of the door. You've never heard me say, be sure and put something in the box. It's not metal, so when you throw coins in there, it, you know, it makes some noise. And yet, by God's grace, Denton Bible's debt-free. It's been taken care of for half a century. God's met every need. Around the world, with all those missionaries, many of you have been on those mission trips, is meeting needs of the hungry in our community right now. 
He's worthy of it all. He's got it taken care of. He knows what's valuable and what is not. There was a woman that came to Jesus one time. And the Bible says she had an alabaster box of ointment. And it was probably a family heirloom. It would have been something very valuable to her, but also very valuable in monetary uh, ways in the world uh, that, that she was from. And she came into the presence where Jesus was sitting and she broke that alabaster box of ointment. And they tell me that it's like a sweet perfume that would fill the room. And she anointed the feet of Jesus. And I can just see her tears falling down upon his feet also. I've thought about that alabaster box of ointment, broken and spilled out. You know who's, who, that, what that is a picture of? You know who's supposed to be? That's us. We are supposed to bring the best that he gives us and our lives are broken for him, spilled out and used up for the glory of God. What are you doing for Jesus? I know you're doing a lot. Just think about that box next time. The Bible teaches us that Christians are a sweet aroma to those that are being saved and to brothers and sisters. That alabaster box was of value. The, the widow, she put in two mites. We know that that's all she had to live on. She could have kept one of them back. There's a real cool story in Acts about Ananias and Sapphira. They had, did a little real estate uh, business. They were not told by Peter, you got to come and give everything, but they, they chose to lie about how much they gave and, you know, didn't turn out too well to them. She could have kept one of those mites. I need to live on this one. I'll give half to the Lord and I'll give half. But she didn't. She gave all that she had. I think about Christ. When the father asked the son, I want you to go to earth to earth. I want to take you off your, your kingly robe and that kenosis and emptying himself of that glory and deity. He didn't dispose of it. He still had access to it, but he didn't use it. He came and lived like you and I do. How much did Jesus give? Did he give a little bit? The only time God told his son no in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be your will, this cup pass from me, but the only way that it pass, I drink it. God says, no, you got to go to the cross. You got to go to Calvary. Not my will. Your will be done. Jesus gave it all. What is true value? In Mark 13, verse 1, this beautiful woman, I can't wait to get to heaven and meet her, by the way. She's going to be one that is Famous in heaven. You may, you may say, well, Mike, we don't even know her name. The scripture never records her name. How is she going to be famous? Heaven is going to be full of people that we don't know their name. Because they knew what true value was. Christ had lived a valuable life in relationship through them. Calling him, verse 33, his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors in the treasury, for they all put, out of, put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. 
He gave it all. It's interesting, the next chapter, and remember, we put the numbers in. The chapters weren't the inspired word of God. It's not the Holy Spirit moved this mark. And now, chapter 13. Oh, we did that so we can keep up and memorize these verses. The disciples walk right out of that temple with Jesus and notice what happens. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. I wonder if he missed the object lesson of the day. Jesus had just taught, it's not in the big, it's not in the beautiful, it's not in the expensive, not in the true value, it's not in what the world says is the greatest thing in the world. True value was the two widow's mites that she put in that treasure. She gave all that she had. It came from her sacrifice. It came from her heart. It came from poverty. It came from hard time. <coughs> and Jesus, can you see how great these buildings are? I think whoever said that might have missed the lesson that morning. Yes, wonderful buildings, beautiful stones. <coughs> Excuse me, if you've been to Israel, you can see some, some buildings that have stood the test of time. They have, they've been there. You know, we have antiques in our country. How old are our antiques? You go to Pennsylvania, you can find some antiques, 80 years old. If you can find some from the 1800s, these are antiques. Israel's antiques are about 1,000 years old. We got a little difference when we talk about those. Look at the beautiful buildings, Jesus. Look at those stones. And there's a human saying, how valuable what man has done. Look at the architecture. And if you go to Israel today and you see what was built during Herod's time, it is incredible. Uh, under the Wailing Wall there in, in, in uh, Jerusalem in the old city, you see uh, blocks of stone that are as long as this section right here. They're about the size, no, they're longer than that. They're about the size of a city bus. And they're square and they're plumb. How did they pick them up and put them on? It's It's fascinating. And these guys are looking up, Lord, look at the value of these beautiful buildings. You invite somebody to Denton Bible Church, what do you show them? A man of the Old Testament one day came and there were people that came from far and wide and they wanted to come and hear about what, uh, what he would tell them. And Hezekiah went and he showed him all the things in his house. Let me show you this, and let me show you this, and let me show you this. And after those visitors left, God said, I got to talk to you, Hezekiah. I think that's who it was, wasn't it? You've shown them all the things in your house, but you didn't tell them what I've done in your life. So what's true value? These guys said, you see all these wonderful stones, wonderful buildings? And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. You're putting a value, a price tag on these earthly buildings and this architecture that man did. And I want to tell you, in a very short manner of time, and it was AD 70, not very much longer than that, there was not one of those stones standing on another one. So how valuable was it? Contrast of two different stories there of poor widow woman who gave all that she had. And Jesus said, I tell you, that's valuable. And now, look at this wonderful edifice. Jesus said, I tell you, 
That's not what it's about. This will all be destroyed. Notice verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, they know that he's the one to teach them. Do you see? I don't think it's really too intelligent to ask the Son of God, uh, can't you see? Do you think that that's really wise to do that? He did see. But the fact was, Jesus could really see. And you and I sometimes, we're clouded by, we want our child to be a cheerleader so badly. We'll compromise our ethics to get our daughter to be a cheerleader. We want our boy to be on the select team so badly. We'll borrow money and become a debtor and we'll take away and not do what we ought to do in some cases and spend much more money, much more time and, and we show that child. And the folks, there's nothing wrong with those things. I grew up playing all those sports and uh, doing, I wasn't a cheerleader, but bad illustration, I guess. And it's fine to do those kind of things if they don't become too important to us. Do you see Jesus? Well, he certainly did. He certainly did. About 15 years before Jesus was born, Herod the Great had begun to remodel the temple in Israel. The temple before had stood for about 500 years. You remember during Ezra's time and God allowed them to rebuild it. But Herod came and he made uh, improvements and rebuilt the temple. He did not rebuild it for God's sake. He rebuilt it to, get, uh, to impress the people and get them to follow him, uh, to appease the Jews that he ruled. And folks, it was. You can go to, to this day and see architecture made during that time, and it's just very, very impressive. But we see two different stories here, and I want to briefly ask you the question, what is the test? How can we decide whether something is valuable or not? One of the things I want to ask you to consider is, if something is valuable, does it have lasting worth? A question for you is, that temple that was all made out of those beautiful stones, that architecture, what did it have lasting worth? No, we find out that it didn't because it was total, totally destroyed not very much after in time that Jesus spoke these words. That woman's gift of giving all that she had from her heart back to the temple treasury for God's service, did that have lasting worth? I believe it did. I believe it did. Uh, the Great Commission going to all the world and preach the gospel. We are to, to teach the, all that Jesus has commanded. We are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And along with you always to the end of the world. You may say, Mike, I can't go. But we can help a missionary go. And when you write that check or you donate that money to help a missionary to go to Argentina or Uganda, you are taking part in that ministry and you are going in a sense to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has lasting worth. So that's one of the tests I want you to think about. Would you look in your life, if I ask you and I send around a piece of paper tonight and I say, would you declare your valuables? What would you write down? Secondly, does it honor God in its existence? That 90 inch TV, my son has got a TV that the neighbors can watch. All they do is call him every now and then, would you open your blinds? Uh, would you mind switching the channel a little bit? Because we'd love to watch this other show. It is massive. 
We had 19-inch TVs that were 19-inch this way and 40 inches this way when I was growing up. You had to build a room almost to put that TV in it. And he has a 90-inch TV that the neighborhood can watch. Does it honor God in its existence? Clancy, if you're listening, your TV's okay, but it's all right. But can we say, I thank you, God, for this? I glorify you because this is valuable. That's a test. Number three, does it originate from a pure heart without selfish motives? When those guys are walking up there throwing their coins, I can just see them throwing some more coin, making noise. Did that originate from an unselfish motive? No. They were so full of themselves and pride, putting on a show. The psalmist says, surely man walks in a vain show. And we do. Humans want to be the big shots, the big wheels. We want people to notice us. Does it originate with a pure, from a pure heart with unselfish motives? That lady's gift did. And then fourthly, to share it, think about this. Does it involve sacrifice? These rich men, women, that gave, that Jesus didn't, didn't commend, their gift didn't hurt them any. By the time that they gave that gift, they probably had made that much money again before they got home. It was no sacrifice to them whatsoever. And yet, when people like that today donate something on television, they make a check about the size of my son's TV. <laughs> because they want their name to be on that check and want everybody to know, Jesus said, do this. When you give your alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do it in secret. And God who sees in secret will reward you openly for your prayers, for your life. Not long ago, uh, in a setting of people that I admire greatly, uh, a person that I have great uh, uh, respect for, said to another person in that room, hey, so-and-so, you're the one that started this ministry, weren't you? Well, he wasn't, I was. And I wanted to say, now wait a minute. <laughs> it's not gonna be about us. It doesn't have anything to do with us. We sing that song, Joel. He's worthy. He didn't say Mike's worthy. He didn't say preacher's worthy. He didn't say seek the worth of yourself. He's worthy. Don't, don't worry about those kind of things, by the way. God knows. He knows what you've done. Who knows who that widow was? He knows how much she gave. I want to close tonight asking you to consider something with me. I love this passage because here's a woman that I believe is a magnificent example of true value. The world may not say so, but God does. There's an example of these buildings that the world would say, wow, tremendous. And God says, not so much. Yesterday was 20 years from what we call 9-11 now. I know some of you weren't born or you were just born, but you probably in your lifetime are gonna have some events take place that are gonna stop you in time and you're gonna know where you were, who you were with, you're gonna know everything about that moment 
It'll forever be in your mind and your heart because it changed your life that day. I was sitting in my office uh, on September 11th, 2001. The night before, they had asked me to do the invocation at our city commission meeting. And I'll never forget, September 10th, about seven o'clock in the evening, I stood up to pray. Our city commission still wanted a preacher to come in then. And I remember telling them, thank you that you want to honor God and ask a pastor to come in and to give an invocation. And the mayor said, we'll do it as long as we can. I thought about those words later, as long as we can. But I remember praying for some reason that night, and God only knows, Father, I thank you for your magnificent power that has given us natural resources in this country. You have blessed America so many ways. We thank you and we honor you for all that you've given us. Bless America. God bless America. And Father, we thank you that you have protected us. Your mighty hand of protection has been upon this country for over 200 years. You're the one who has protected us. And we give you honor here tonight. And would you guide these men and women on the city commission to lead our city well, that we can have a place to live in peace. And for some reason, those were the words that came out of my mouth that, that night. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. The next morning, I was sitting at the desk in my office, and a friend was across the desk. His name was Louis. He was from South Africa. He was visiting and been around for a while, and we just had such a great uh, time enjoying he, would, he had never been to America before, and uh, he was just amazed. He couldn't believe how much food there was when you went to restaurants. He says, there's food everywhere. You know those little Debbie things, those oatmeal cakes, the ones about this big? We loaded him up for the plane ride back home. He thought he was a king. He had these giant oatmeal little Debbies. He was in awe. I took him to my motor bank. It was after the time that the lobby had closed. And uh, he'd gone in the bank, and I said, Is, do you have banks like that in South Africa? He said, oh, no. He said, our tellers would be behind bulletproof glass. You would put your money through a slot. There would be a guard with an uh, AK-47 standing next to you, and that's what our bank, he says, this looks like a restaurant to me. This night, I was going to make a deposit after hours, so the lobby was closed. I pulled up to the motor bank, and he said, what is this? He thought I was going to get gas for my pickup. And I said, no, I'm going to make a deposit in our bank. This is your bank? He said, you have money? And I said, Louis, there, there's that look on your face again. And he, I said, you wouldn't do this in your country? He said, no. In my country, if you had money right now and you were going to put that in there, you very likely would be shot for the amount of money you're putting in the bank right here. That doesn't happen where I come from. I spent day after day with him and I was just humbled by the fact that I lived in a different world than he did. On 9-11, he's sitting across from my desk. And Louis, who had just flown through LaGuardia Airport four days before, said these words to me, Mike, you just don't know how safe it is here in this country. And my phone rang and my mother-in-law Dorothy Hurst said, Mike, have you seen the news? And I said, no, ma'am. And she said, they've flown a plane into the World Trade Center. And I said, thank you for telling me and hung up. And I turned to Louie, my friend from South Africa who had just said those words to me. And I said, Louie, 
It's not as safe as it once was. For over 200 years, God Almighty has protected the United States from us having an attack by a foreign enemy on our own soil. We fought against ourselves in the Civil War. But a major attack on our own soil, God had protected us for all of those years. If we want to be protected today as a country, we better let God make America good again so we can be great again. Because we can't be great unless we let him make us good. Called Holly on the phone. I closed the office doors and I went and got my wife. Because you know what? When something like that happens, true value is foremost in your mind and in your heart. I had to go be with my wife. I locked the doors of my office and I went and got her. We went to the grocery store. We didn't know what was going to happen. We went and bought beans and potatoes. We thought that'd last for, for a while. Went to the bank and pulled out $2,500. I don't know if I could even do that today, but I did then. Pulled out $2,500, stick it under our mattress. We don't know what's going to happen. We went and filled up the tank of our vehicles with gasoline because we don't know where they're going to. We don't know what just happened in our world and what life's going to be like tomorrow. But I knew one thing. I wanted to be with my wife. My son was 10 years old. My daughter was six years old. And we went and picked them up from school because you know what? They're my valuables. And I wanted my valuables with me. It didn't make any difference what vehicle we were driving or what home we were going to go home to. It didn't make any difference about my career, my education. It did not make any difference about all those other things. If you'd have asked me to declare my valuables that day, I've got some family heirlooms at home. None of those things would have been written down. Because crisis, tragedy, and sacrifice can make it clear what is valuable. I have a chance to go to Poland next year. Pray for me. To visit some of those concentration camps where people, I don't know if I can do it or not. I don't know if I can. But I remember hearing the story about those that suffered so terribly because of who their God was. And because our world let an evil, ungodly man go too far. And the value in the midst of all that death and that suffering and that, that tragedy and unthinkable things that the enemy did to, to innocent people. Devastation, death, but a little sprout of green grew up in one of the, the ground of one of those concentration camps and they hadn't seen anything alive growing in so long and they thought what a beautiful it might have been a weed but it wouldn't have mattered because it's alive and it's green and they saw how beautiful it was I need to be careful how about you that I don't have to lose something before I acknowledge how valuable it is. True value. Those of you who remember where you were on 9-11, how many of you raise your hand? You do, don't you? You remember, you saw. 
I went and gathered up my value. I got on the phone, started calling my church members. How you doing? You okay? You need anything? You need some groceries? We'll go right now. What do you need? Okay, let's pray. Hang up, called another one. How you doing? Yeah, I've seen the news. Uh-huh, it's gonna be okay. God knows what's going on. He loves us. You need anything? Okay, you let us know. You know why I called them? Because they're my valuables. You know why Logan and I want to come here and preach? Tommy asked us to in a gracious thing. But you guys are valuables. I've had the privilege, and I say that knowing what I, what I said, to be with hundreds of people that have died. They've taken their last breath. I've never been at the bedside of a person that took their last breath and said, oh, my money, my medals, my citations, my awards. Never been there. But I've heard them say, oh, my wife, my husband, my children, my church. Oh, could I hear those old hymns of the church? And I've heard them when the doctors say they can't even say another word. And I say, do you love Jesus? And I can hear them say, yes. That's true value. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this woman. We don't even know her name, but you do. And I just thank you, Father, that you teach us. Jesus, that you showed us what true value is. Start with me, Lord. Make sure my priorities are right. I have nothing that is put ahead in importance that it shouldn't be. And Lord, we are sitting here in a nice building. I do pray that this room would be full. Not so we can count more people, but that more souls could be here. Everybody's not saved yet. Everybody's not discipled yet. There's gifts in this room to be used in other people's life. Would you fill this room up? But Lord, whether you do or not, oh, it's valuable to be here worshiping you tonight. Lord, I thank you for this Bible. It's valuable. And we are not naive to think that someone might not try to take it away from us someday. It's valuable. We thank you for the single mothers that are taking care of children, working two and three jobs and don't know how they're gonna do it, but you give them strength to do it because they're valuable. We thank you for the missionaries around the world that it seems like, Lord, what's the use? Does anybody even listen or hear? But you're still using them because it's valuable, the ministry you've given them. Oh, Father, fill our hearts regardless of what the newscasts say. Fill our hearts with the good stuff and help us know true value in Jesus' name.